Hello, dear friends, and welcome to The Great Day Podcast. I'm your friend and host, Mayor Kay. For those who are joining us for the first time, welcome to The Great Day Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And for those who've been showing up, thank you for coming back and your support is greatly appreciated. I just want to remind you all that you could support the podcast by easily subscribing to the podcast on any platform that you're listening to, this to uh, giving it five stars, leaving a comment, being genuine and honest about your experience with this. It really goes a long way. And like I mentioned, it, it, it helps me to be able to continue creating these podcasts, these conversations and sharing with you what I learn from the most incredible minds and people that I come across. And talking about incredible people, today's podcast is with Michal Oshman. She is next level inspiring. She's head of company culture, diversity and inclusion at TikTok Europe, having been in charge of international leadership and team development at Facebook. She has held other impressive positions, trained hundreds of tech leaders, and holds three degrees from prestigious universities. We chat about mental health, purpose, and faith. Whether you're more on the religious side or less Jewish or not, you'll find incredible capital T truths shared here, as well as tools and hope to move through life's toughest challenges. I enjoyed my conversation with Michal deeply, and I'm sure you will too. So thank you so much again for tuning in. And enjoy this podcast with Michal Oshman. Hi, Michal Oshman. Thanks for making the time today to be on the Great Day Podcast. Thank you, Mira. I feel like I'm not feel like I am meeting with a celebrity today. Uh, oh. My kids. My kids, and specifically one of my sons, is a huge fan, um, and he just thinks you're the best, uh, which I'm sure you are, of course. So yeah, my kids are very excited. It's the one time when I said, I told them like, "Can you just not interrupt for an hour?" I told them what I was doing, and they were like giving me the thumbs up. So, <laughs> I'm excited right, to wow. you today. That's awesome. That's so awesome. I'm really happy to hear that they're they're fans, and uh, and I'm a fan of your work. Honestly, this is I I was actually so surprised. To how quickly we, I, I reached out to you and like uh, I know you're based in, in London and uh, you're you'll send me send me a book and I we're planning to have this conversation like two weeks from then I was like how will it get her so quick and like the next day the book showed up I mean you you show results you have results and by reading your book I saw the results that you had that you've created for yourself in your own life and I know anybody reading the book uh, if they take the time to will find a lot of wisdom and uh, and tools which I'm excited to jump into and and to just talk about. Uh, from your recent book, what would it, you do if you weren't afraid? But before we do, I actually went ahead googling. Of course, I just like just jump in to do some research on my guests. And uh, funny enough, I assumed like you know I'll type in Michal Michal Oshman. I'll say Michal Oshman TikTok, Michal Oshman Facebook tech company. But like the first thing is the first uh, suggestion was Michal Oshman Chabad. You know, like this is like the new the new search engine, the new brand that you built for yourself, which is so interesting from the background that you grew up in in Israel, a more spiritually driven family than a religious family. And now here you are sharing these deep, inspirational, Hasidic-based uh, uh, wisdom that, uh, and you know, you don't perhaps don't necessarily look the part, quote unquote, but yet you mm -hmm. explain it in such beautiful ways that person who's Jewish, person who grew up Chabad, like myself, I'm like, wait a second, I didn't learn this, I didn't learn this in Yeshiva. This is like really well written, watered down in a way that I could understand and very practical. So I have to say kudos to you. That's a long winded 
start to this podcast, but I'm just so excited. So that was awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Maren. We have to give credit to Chabad and Chabad.org who have been pioneers in the you know, internet uh, era and social media. And my I great uncle actually started Chabad.org. He, uh, he knocked it out. That was, uh, yeah, he was the first to go out to the internet. Yeah. And, and you know, yeah. it, gives me, it gives me a lot of um, joy and, 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 and pride that this is the result that comes up because when I was on, in the beginning of the journey of, of, of discovering Hasidut and Jewish wisdom, because very different to you, I wasn't born into it and I had no idea it existed, um, which is something I share in the book. One of the ways that I discovered this wisdom was through Chabad.org um, and through online resources. So um, yeah, credit to them and to you. Wow, very cool. I mean, so that's 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 so interesting. I mean, you, obviously you came to a place of like desperation where you're like scouring the internet, like help me, what do I do? Could you do me a favor because um, to give some context, because on the you know you look at the don't judge a book by its cover. You look at this cover of this beautiful book, and you see this powerful woman and standing in all her power and, and, and beautiful and like you know what you, will you do if you weren't afraid? Uh, but by opening up the book, you find that you went through some some you know challenging times, some dark times in your own in your own story, which you you share so beautifully and eloquently. Can you take me to this point in your life where you, you come to a place where you're just on the internet looking for help, looking for guidance? Where, where, where were you in that mindset and, and what led you to that place of desperation? So like you, Mary, I'm very comfortable sharing my own uh, story and probably being vulnerable of sharing my mental health you know, challenges throughout the years um, and never really judge anyone based on their cover, what their hair looks like or, or anything else. And yes, on the, on, on the surface, on the outside, but also in real life, I had so much to celebrate. My, 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 uh, my curriculum, my uh, CV looked great. My, I built things. I was very, very productive. I was, as you said, a, you know, a doer, but inside, um, I suffered and, and mental health and depression and anxiety, they don't skip anyone. They, vi they visit, you know, different people from different backgrounds, even though those people that seem like they have it all and, and they figure it out life. So um, when I actually opened the door to Jewish wisdom and to Hasidut, that, that specific moment, I was 38 years old. I was successful on paper, but inside I, I felt I was lost. I was very, very fearful and, and, and suffering from anxiety. My, my husband knew exactly what was going on inside me. We, I went to therapy for many years. I was already a mother and um, I, I had bad thoughts. I had, I had scary thoughts in my head. Um, and um, anyone that suffers from anxiety or depression, you know that it's hard to explain these things. It's like, sometimes you, you feel like you have to um, explain to give excuses. Like, why are you feeling that way? And I, yeah this is the way that it was and everything I did wasn't helping and what I did mainly was therapy and and, and medication and then there was this specific uh, Saturday uh, which I now call Shabbat when I actually did go to Google and I searched a few words as you said I was looking I was looking I read Buddhism Taoism any ism, give me something, help me understand. There's no way that I'm the only one. I bought every single book. I mean, I think I got to like the Amazon, like the last <laughs> shelf possible. You know, someone had to drag a book from, I don't know. And and funnily enough, I never looked in in my own heritage. I never looked in, I never looked, I ne never thought that yet the Judaism 
uh, meant anything to me apart from the fact that I was born Jewish. So on that Saturday morning, I Googled anxiety, depression, uh, uh, fear, you know, negative but very real words. Uh, but I also uh, typed in joy, happiness. And for some reason, and we know that nothing happens for no reason, I typed Judaism. And that mix of words to, together, that combination led me to uh, a, a doctor uh, in psychology, a lady called Katie Lowenthal, uh, who is also um, a Chabadnikit. Uh, I need to learn how to say Chabadnikit in English. Is that still Chabadnikit? It's um, yeah, Chabadnik. 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 She's a Chabadnik. Yeah. Yeah. So she she is uh, obviously an expert in psychology, and she did a lot of research on on faith. By the way, not just Jewish faith, but faith connected to mental health uh, and to wellness and to and to the benefits living. of having faith and how that helps those who are who are challenged with mental health issues. Exactly, and, and I reached out to her, and that was like the first step that I took completely there out of my comfort zone. Mm. Um, completely in a nice way, I say different to how, you know, I was brought up. I was always very respectful of, you know, my Judaism. And obviously I grew up in, in Israel, but I had no idea that there is spirituality in Judaism, that there is uh, a cure for the heart in Judaism, that there is a way to help, you know, the pains of, 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 of the soul. And, and I just didn't know I had a soul. So all yeah. of this were like huge discoveries, but that first moment at the age of 38, that was the, the, the door opening. It's so interesting to me because here you are, um, and you can said on paper, successful, you're, you're in a really health, healthy relationship, you're in a relationship with, you're married, you're a mother, uh, you have a, a job, a successful job, and yet there's still like this void within you. And, and you're 38 years old, which, which for me is so amazing because like you've made it through life to 38. You're an adult. You have all this going on and yet, and you're functioning. You're a function with all this fear and anxiety. And how often do we sort of like compare ourselves to other people? And like, and, and that's just that within ourselves, we make excuses for ourselves. Like, wait, what do you mean? I'm, I'm right now 40 years old. I'm 35. I'm 30. I'm, I have all this going on. And we sort of like pile on the, all this pain and suffering. And we sort of take it on as if like, you know, but not necessarily a badge of honor, but like this is what life is about, and this is how it's going to be if I made it this far. And it's just interesting to see how far I know for myself. I've I've been on the journey of mental health uh, on my own for, since I was in my teens, and uh, and there are any points in my life I could have given up, given up. And thank God, there's been like lifeboats along the way that have helped me. And and the more I, you know, I dig and I discover, there's a whole lot more truth and a lot more joy to life now. Thank God. But it's 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 amazing at, at you know how how long you you're able to go through life until like you said 38 where like it was just like a rock bottom and said enough is enough. What was that? What was that missing though? Because you like, again like I know just go a little more detail like you have the wife you have the husband you have the kids you have the, the you have the, the the job you're even doing therapy. So like what what was missing and uh, and that you discovered yeah. that you needed to fill. I was I was doing therapy and I was studying therapy. I I studied psychotherapy, so I'm I'm you know I this was my thing to try and you know cure and heal. Um, listen, it's a very big question um, that you're asking, Mary, and it's and it's a, it, it's these are many like sub questions, right? So I think first of all, many 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 people sail through life 
maybe even end life um, accepting themselves feeling in a certain way, a very unhappy way, a, a very unconnected way, uh, a very unresolved way. Um, and I think it requires self-awareness and being very true to yourself and actually knowing, and this is something I did not know when I was young, that we're supposed to live with joy and really trying to find myself to find that joy is a worth life, as uh, uh, a life world worth living. And yeah. for many years, I thought that I was supposed to actually live in sadness. I was brought up with um, my, my grandparents from all sides were Holocaust survivors. There was a lot of sadness in our home. There was a lot mm -hmm. of not talking. There was a lot of silence. There was a lot mm -hmm. of not, de not defined verbally, but guilt. So I always felt that when I woke up in the morning, I just had to say, I just had to be actually quite, you know, um, guilty that I got the chance to, to, to live and, and, and maybe not to be too happy and maybe not to be, take anything too far because so many horrible things happened. And, you know, we all carried that second generation and third generation. Um, and I also saw a lot of death in life through my, my father's job and really horrible things that, uh, uh, you know, people can do to each other. And especially in the, time when there was a lot of terror attacks in Israel and I was for different reasons that I explained in the book I, I I saw death so all of those as a very young child like you as a teenager I saw the worst side of life in a very early age so why would I why would I find joy why would I find happiness and what I didn't have is actually and the only way I can use this word is in Hebrew I didn't have bitachon mm. I, I I missed some certain elements of roots and a certain uh, um, uh, notion that uh, that you know there is a there is there that, that, that I that I'm part of something bigger that I uh, that there's a bigger picture that um, that you know I, I guess it's also a sense of you know emuna and I also didn't see the meaning um, so I left, I lived in a very non-spiritual home and everything was about like evidence and solving. So I guess my soul needed something a bit more and there was no one there to, to serve it for me, to me. Um, so I think all of, all of those things, um, once I realized I did not have them, I did not have bitachon. I didn't have that sense of safety, of security, of trust in the world, in myself, um, at that stage of, at the age of, age of 38, sorry, I said, okay, so how can I now build trust within myself and the world around me? How can I develop those roots? What are my roots? How can I develop that bitachon, that security, that safety? And also the fact that I'm not just here to do all those tasks, I'm here for something much bigger. I'm here to, to fulfill a, a mission, to do something purposeful for me. And that was a discovery and I realized that the Adut and the Jewish wisdom and Hasidut is all about that. It's all about giving you a sense of bitachon, that you are here, that Meir and Michal were here for a reason, and the world needs us. And it's, um, and for someone that, you know, is familiar with the darkness inside, it's a big ask to believe in that. But I, uh, I continue to remind myself that I'm here to do something meaningful and I look for it. Mm. Wow, that's so powerful. That's that's something. It's it's so beautiful, like how you expressed it. The um, 
one thing that started out is like, it's so interesting how I, what I find is it's something that I'm working through right now is to trust oneself. And I find that to learn how to trust oneself, to love oneself, to accept oneself is very much also tied to like higher self. It ties to also like the world, other people, God or higher, you know, power. And it all sort of stems from like, it's our, our self, you know, like usually if I don't, have trust in other people if i don't trust the world if i don't have, if I have issues with like amuna or patelkan or god it's a lot of it stems from my own self like, i have to look in within myself and say wait a second do i love myself as who i am do i trust myself have i betrayed myself so many times that i've lost the currency of my own value and my own word and um so how is how did you discover and how, how did you rebuild that trust within yourself so you were able to go ahead and you know trust and lean lean back and lean trust fall into god and to or into faith uh what, what what steps do you take to make that happen there was a moment so I, I felt i knew that i was the kind of person that always wanted to be in control in full control of what's happening around me of what's happening inside me of who loves me of who uh of things that are happening around me and i was trying to control the world my world right and and that and that evokes so much anxiety so that's why i share in the book how every time when a girlfriend a friend of mine would say should i come over at three i was like you come over whenever you want to because i don't want to be responsible for you being hit by a but or one of my children asking ima can i like can i like giving answers to everyday needs was mission impossible because every time I said something I felt like it was all on me I was going to create damage I'm going to create the next tragedy and that's why especially when I became a parent I became extremely anxious you know part of me just wanted to keep the kids at home and not let them go anywhere but that's not possible right. and there was a moment when I was so trying to be in control I didn't write about this in the book but I was so trying to keep in control I was trying to I was trying also to control aging and because I wanted to be perfect from inside out. So I started going to doctors and saying, can you inject this? Can you make me look this? And I kind of went a little bit out of control. Mm. And there was a point when I looked at myself in the mirror after these treatments, and it was a very painful and very embarrassing point in my life, Mayor, when I actually saw how my husband looked at me and how I saw myself. And I was like, What's, what am I doing? I'm, I'm hurting myself, right? Mm -hmm. I'm damaging, I'm trying, what, what am I trying to do? Um, and that was the point when I made a decision within myself, enough from worrying about the external, what I appear like, what people think about me. I'm only going to focus on myself, but not focus on myself looking back like I did in the therapy room. My parents did this, they did this. Looking at myself now, here, today, with all the potential that I have and trying to find all the answers inside. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Michal, that's that's so incredibly powerful. That's and so vulnerable for you to share. So thank you for for doing that. I and I I think many. I mean, people. This is not easy. I mean, you may have been. You know, you're saying this is with such ease, but it's not easy to show yourself in such a vulnerable way. So even and, now, and I was like, Michal, why are you telling this? You you yeah. don't have to tell. I know so many people are suffering from this. May I know, and and women and people that I I I I. It's very uncomfortable. 
Yeah, it is. And it, and, but it, and it does help. It, it allows people, for those who don't have the courage yet to, to, to express it, to ask for help, it, it, it gives a sense of community or like we're knowing that they're not alone and these thoughts are not, they're not crazy, they're just human. Um, and so I, I just want to take a pause and like say, wow, like I just want to hold space for what you just shared and thank you. Um, the, you, you, you touched on like finding, you know, finding your purpose, you know, and like that's a journey for itself of like finding your purpose, but you, you do question it within your book and it's not, it's not maybe good enough, not enough to find out your purpose, but really the question is, the follow-up is how does one act on their purpose? Yeah. And I ask you like, what, you know, what is it, you know, first of all, how do you know what your purpose is? Your purpose really, is it to become a, a leader in the workspace? Is it you by writing this book? Um, to become a public speaker now. And then once, whatever that may look like for you, but then once you find out that purpose that connects with whoever's listening to, like you find your purpose, how, do, what kind of steps does one take now to take that action? And yeah. what usually stops them from taking that action? Yeah. And, and you know, Mary, I've, I've been kind of working on the concept of purpose for, for a long time, you know, even before I discovered the, the, the Jewish wisdom and, and, Hasid, and Hasidut and the Jewish psychology, um, and I, I discovered, I was working around purpose as my job at, in, in, in corporate world and in, in organizations. And my, my profession is, is, is around culture and leadership development and management development. So mm -hmm. my, my, my passion is really helping people in the workplace. Uh, my professional passion is helping people in the workplace really kind of discover their purpose in the context of work and, and bringing them their full selves at work. Uh, and one of the most amazing things that I discovered is that when I was coaching hundreds of leaders who were on these big stages and driving big company agendas, when you when I actually asked them, what do you find purposeful? What, what is meaningful to you? They were like, oh, I wish I had time to figure that out. Or like, you know, it, they were very good with execution or bringing to life a company mission or company purpose. But sometimes didn't make time or didn't invest in understanding themselves. Um, mm -hmm. And that's an area that I was very curious about. But when I talk about purpose, and I think when the Jewish wisdom talks about purpose, it doesn't mean a capital P, big stage purpose. And I also don't think that we have a one only purpose in life. And if you miss that purpose, that's it. I think we have series of purposes. I think we have our purpose changes as we evolve, depending of where we are in our life, depending what we're doing. Sometimes my purpose is only to be a mother, uh, fully committed. I'm only there for my child. And that gives me energy and that gives me boost. But sometimes my purpose is to be you know, leading at TikTok and 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 running our company strategy and mission and 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 being a businesswoman that that is promoting a positive culture in the workplace. And I think many of us wear different hats in life, and we actually have different purposes that uh, you know we wear. And I think often people are um, when they hear the pr big purpose, it feels like it belongs to someone else. It no, no, it's only like a leader. You are the leader. Mm -hmm. You are yes. the leader. You are the leader of your life. You are the leader of your family as a parent. You are the, you know, a co-leader of your relationship, whether with a friend or, or a partner. And I think the moment people will start empowering themselves, that they, their purpose could be around playing your role in the community. I mean, I have friends that they are community leaders. Maybe they don't have that as a line on their LinkedIn. 
they lead our community. They boost meaning to my family life on a regular basis. That is purpose. Um, so I, 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 as you can hear from my voice, I'm very passionate about just like, you know, helping people just take that step, that leap of faith to, to find what's meaningful to them. And in the book, I make, I make this, uh, I guess, um, not comparison, but like how two different sentences complement each other. Obviously, one of the beautiful Hasidut saying is that the day you were born was the day that the world was missing you. And, and the world continues to miss us every single moment and every single day. The world needs us, uh, but it's easy to forget. And then kind of side by side to that, and I'll, I'll quote from the book because I don't want to get it wrong. I start the book actually with a, with a Mark Twain uh, quote, which is the two most important days in your life are the day you are born and the day you find out why. My favorite quote. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. When uh, I, when I, uh, I storied it on my Instagram, when I, when I arrived, when I, when your book arrived, I opened it up and page one and I had that quote. I was like, Oh, I'm going to love this book. Cause it's one of my favorite. I love quotes. And that is by far one of my favorite quotes. So it was cool to, to read that in your book. And I, 100% agree with you, you know, that it really encompasses that, you know, purpose, A, you're born, that's already God's way of saying that you matter, and your energy is needed in this world, your gifts, and then, of course, then it becomes a journey of finding out what that purpose is, and then actualizing it, so I think that's, uh, that's really great, and it's cool, it takes away the pressure of, like, what is my capital E purpose, what is it, and then I have to discover that, and it's, it's sort of, I, I was, I was corrected the other day, I was asking, um, I was doing a social experiment in the streets of New York, and I a young girl showed up with her mom. I asked her, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And the mom, like, corrected me. She's like, whoa, that's a lot of pressure to ask a young girl. And, like, you know, only one thing these days, people do multiple things, you know? Uh, between me and you, the girl said she wanted to be a scientist, which I thought was really, really cool. But uh, um, that, that, I was like, you're right, you're right. And I asked her, you know, what is she passionate about? And we opened up the conversation that way. But to bring it back to what you were saying, it's um, to take off that pressure. It's like, yeah, purpose. It's like, what is it that, it could be not, not just one thing, it could be multiple things, and we could be good at, and, and to discover that, what that looks like. Um, what do you have to say to the person, because you're the type of person who has like this, you know, this gravitas, this, this energy to be a leader, to go out, you're in the army, in the Israeli army, you were, you're a leader, and, and you're in, in the workspace, you're a leader. Uh, to someone who plays a different type of game, I don't want to say a smaller game, but a, uh, you know, a place where they're more shy, or they don't have that that exuberance or that confidence that to go out and like say, yes, I am a leader. I'm going to show up this way. Uh, what do you have to say to someone who, who, who shies away from the leadership roles and how, and is it just like a one extreme to the other? How could they show up in a way that they could feel confident and powerful in their own life? I want to empower them and to tell them that their, their light is, is, is shining and showing um, in, in their way. And I think we are, each of us is created and designed in a certain way. And I'm definitely not a Chabad educator or any educator or, or you know, a scholar, but I, I, I know that we are gifted with different personalities, with different, with different passions, with different talents. And you know, I have four children, and each of them have a very different talent in a very different way that they uh, are in dialogue with life and, 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 and with the world. And one of the things that I really try to do with them is help them go on their unique journey. And I have to say, Mayor, one of my biggest learnings from Hasidut and from uh, um, you know, uh, 
learning about the Jewish wisdom is actually around parenting. Mm. And I love, I love that the that the leader, that the person that gave, I think, the first parental advice ever, and maybe I'm wrong, we can check that. It was was Shlomo Amelech, was was King Solomon when he said, Hanar al Pidarko. And 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 that really blew my mind. Um, can you translate that for people who don't know? Oh, sorry. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, Help me in English, Chanoch, about raise a child according to their soul or to their way. Sorry, to their way. Beautiful. Perfect. Um, and uh, sorry, I am a native English. <laughs> That's um, great. And, 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 and that idea that my job, my mission, my purpose as a parent is to help my child uh, navigate and grow life according to their unique soul and the unique journey that they... And I'm, I'm not telling them you are going to get there which is i guess what my our parents maybe i don't want to put like generation like right uh, um but really i'm here to try and 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 go on the journey with them it's a much harder i think parenting method than just kind of say i expect this of you um and it stretches me as a parent it stretches me as a human to be giving space for my children to go on their way mm-hmm. And one of the things that I'm learning through the publication of the book is how many parents are needing to let their children go on a way, even if that way wouldn't be their preferred way as a parent. And that and that's not that's not easy at all, especially in certain communities when people look at each other or people you know, know each other and, and, and where looks and, and, and behavior or like is, is very important, the outside world instead of what's going on, on the inside, totally. And reputation and there's all this pressure around dating and especially in the insular communities, there's a whole lot of like uh, pressure around what, what that looks like for sure. So, so I think this advice from, from, from King Solomon to really trust your child and trust their soul and trust their way and, and we know that it's a long way and, and thank God it's a long way because we don't want a short, you know, short way um, really is helping me as a parent. I get it lots of time wrong. Sorry, that was grammatically mm-hmm. wrong, but you know what I mean? I fail many times, uh, but sometimes when I feel like I get it right, it brings a lot of joy to me, to my, to my husband, to, to, to my children and, and to the family. So um, you know, these are things again that 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 I, I discovered in a much later phase of my my parenting, but they were they were literally life changing, and that's why I published the book. You, you asked me before about my purpose. I want the world, and when I say world, everyone and anyone. It's a self help book. It's not a religious book. It's a I, I see it, and I, it is a self help book for anyone that is curious to discover that there is a Jewish wisdom, a thousands of years wisdom that was designed to help us navigate life. Uh, We didn't start becoming, we didn't, like anxiety isn't a phenomenon of uh, the last uh, 150 years. Like Freud did not come up with this concept. People have been anxious for thousands of years, Um, unfortunately. The what would you say is the 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 biggest uh, the difference? What did you find in Jewish wisdom that was lacking in traditional therapy or, or traditional self development books? So I know that today, uh, or generally speaking, there are therapists that are more holistic 
and more, let's say, spiritual or happy to take, you know, other schools of thought. But the four therapists that I saw from the age of, I guess, 20 to 38 were, I guess, more traditional, uh, very kind of classic Freudian. And the focus in the therapy room was on the past. A lot of the focus was on the negative and a lot of blaming and finger pointing. Now, there was also a lot of great things which were raising self-awareness, being able to own my life, being able to confront my parents and tell them things that I had never told them as a young child, as a teenager. So those were really great. It helped me build confidence inside. But was, what was less helpful at the later stage of these therapy sessions was that I felt like it was all about the past. And it, was, uh, it, wouldn't, it didn't allow me to start healing. At the some point, when I actually, I remember saying to my husband, to Yair, I feel like I'm telling my therapist that I'm feeling a bit better and they're, <laughs> they're disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> right. and, and they're trying to scratch it again you know and the, the wound is like healing and 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 again could be just my fourth therapist or their school of thought but it it was limiting me at some point and I felt it was limited mm -hmm. and on the other hand what I love about the I guess you know Jewish philosophy or Hasidut we're living is that it is more present and future focused Right? right? There's, there's, life is full of narrow bridges. It's designed, and, and as a nation, as a people, we've crossed so many bridges, and some of them were horrible, and we thought we would never get to the other side. Bridges that we never wanted to cross, right? But, but, yes. but we always go forward, and we always are with emuna, and we, there's no other option rather than surviving, but with, the, with looking forward. And, and I found that very encouraging. And the other thing that I found very encouraging, and I think it's a bit more Chabad uh, perspective, is that you know, every single moment in life is an opportunity and has the potential for growth. And for someone who is a perfectionist, that will always remind myself what I got wrong, who I hurt, how did I disappoint, rather than think, oh my gosh, now, now I have this opportunity to do something meaningful. When I realized that actually the best or the more joyous way to live is actually to look about what I can do now rather than what happened to me, you know, five minutes ago, um, I, I thought that was a very encouraging, very empowering way to live. Oh, yeah, totally, 100%. To like, to understand that one of the spiritual principles is that, you know, we don't live in a perfect world and we weren't created to be perfect. It takes off a lot of the, uh, the, the inks and the, and the pressure to be so, but I think it's a, it's my, I have the same, I have the same thing when it comes to my work. I like to make my videos perfect and, um, and how I want to show up and like, you know, it's very black and white for me. And I think living in the gray has been a very big, uh, learning le like lesson for myself as to like how I approach work, but also my personal life as to like, it's, it's in the imperfections and the cracks. That's where like, you know, the beauty can shine and, and to, uh, and to share that with others as well. So I think that's, uh, it's, it's quite powerful. And you just used one of my favorite words, which is cracks. Cause you know, like you, I always wanted to avoid the cracks, uh, or avoid, let's say the breaking. And, and when I discovered another beautiful principle, which is, you know, the, 
and I'm sure you know this is there's, there's nothing more complete than a broken heart. That again changed my perspective, which is another very key element of like to be a full person, to be a complete person, to be, you know, who you can be. Unfortunately, uh, you need to break. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 through it's through the through the fire that we're able to be molded and to and to grow, and it's through that adversity that we are able to be challenged. Uh, so it's 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 a hundred percent. I think when we avoid, we only bring more pain and suffering by the avoidance of, of pain and suffering. If we just don't like, if we are able to just accept how things are, not label it as good or bad, um, but just as things are, and then we're able to I think move through it a little bit more smoothly and and learn the lessons that it's there to provide. Uh, it's the resistance or the running away or the numbing that we do through the different substance or food or social media or whatever how people want to go ahead and like face you know face life sometimes which is no judgment of course on my end god knows that i've I've done it myself um that we're able to like okay take a pause like wait what am i running for what what are these patterns that i've created for myself that are not allowing me to feel fully to not have that feeling of a broken heart um because that's where you know sometimes you know the best place to be is rock bottom so that you know where you are and you have a, a great footing to grow from and to build off. Um, and, and I'm a big believer in um, around these topics that you, you, you mentioned, Mayor, and I think this is maybe uh, something that I may have made a mistake, you know, in hindsight, but, you know, it's okay, we learn um, to find those one or two people that you trust and, and to share and, and to receive love. Um, I think, I think love, is, is a word that we don't use often enough. And, and for, for some reason, uh, in many, you know, in many different contexts. And um, I think with all the things that you're mentioning, uh, we're also talking just a week before, or even less than, than, than Rosh Hashanah. And, you know, it's just a, such a beautiful time in the, in the year. And I don't know where you're going to show this, but all of the month of, of, of you know, Elul and Tishrei, it's such a beautiful moment and energy to, to take a minute. Right to take a moment, we're ending something, we're beginning something, and the, the energy is on our side to be able to let go of the things, the thoughts, the memories that are not helping us cross our bridges. And one of the scariest things I had to do, Mayor, was actually let go of some of my childhood experiences um, and 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 put them in a uh, don't want to say a box and and put them behind me and. Thank God, no one did anything to me deliberately. No one, God forbid, tried to hurt me. But there were things in my upbringing that really affected me, that really, I thought, damaged me for life. But I learned that the soul can never be damaged, really, that there is this, you know, essence inside of me. And and one of the things that I actually practiced on Rosh Hashanah uh, seven or eight years ago is decide to take elements in my younger life that weren't helping me that I knew of, that if I research them or if I visit them one more time, I'm going to scream enough and put them there and say, and now I'm, and now I'm taking the step forward and, and, and crossing a bridge. And even that decision just between, it was just a, an eternal dialogue, right? It's like, barosh, they say in Hebrew, yeah. everything's in the head. That was so meaningful. And, but, but I kept my promise to myself. Once I made that decision, and and then I made myself space for new memories, for new experiences. Um, and, but that's an ongoing, you know, 
ritual that I try to bring to myself, but I think it's quite effective. Oh, totally. I mean, 100%. And I mean, this is definitely a special time. Uh, and depending on when anybody listens to this, but this is, you know, a time to like, you know, we do have this time of Rosh Hashanah, which is a, a new chapter, a new year, a time of reflection, uh, returning to yourself. And you have a whole uh, chapter on Teshuvah, which I actually love how you break down your chapters and with the different titles and themes. Um, and I, I would actually love to to actually ask you about that. But yeah, every throughout the time, we could always really establish for ourselves this Rosh Hashanah for ourselves. Like, okay, I don't have to wait eight months, six months, two months to the next you know, official new year, but to establish and to, to make a promise to yourself to make it say, hey, I'm starting now, this very moment, to start building a new way of life, a new way of being. Um, but how how do you uh, translate the word? Because you know with Rosh Hashanah and like it's people throw the word around Teshuvah a lot and, and repentance. How do, how do you how do you translate that? How do you adapt it to your life? Well, I you know I um, I know that the word Teshuvah you know it could be uh, and don't kill me for saying this kind of you know it could be triggering for some people and for sure yeah. repentance and you know maybe it was for me as well in the past because I didn't understand it. Uh, and by the way, talking about not understanding and not knowing, I mean, a, 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 big, a big part of our, I think, frustration in life is that we, we actually don't take the time to learn and understand and, and to be curious uh, about other people, about other uh, points of views, um, et cetera, et cetera. But going back to, 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 to Teshuvah, the way that I learned Teshuvah through the learning of, of Hasidut uh, and Tanya, uh, and that's how I call it is in the book, is return to yourself, uh, and I know that teshuvah means returning to you know to, to Hashem, and it's a it's a it's a chazara be, 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 be from a, a, a you know a very deep uh, religious connected to uh, Hashem way. But because I'm already connected to Hashem, returning to myself should probably mean the same thing, uh, and that's how I explain it to myself. Um, so for me, teshuvah and this special time of the year is really an invitation to return to myself. And with everything that goes out in life, and as you said, I try to do this and I try to be this and I try, try, try to take a minute, to take a few weeks uh, of preparation and to remind myself, you know, Michal, like, what are you here to do? Who are you here to be? Not the capital P, but the smaller lowercase p. And if I'm, and if I'm too far away from where I need to be or where I wanted to be or where I should be, how can I course correct? But, but not with guilt and not through fear, um, but with joy and with meaning and with love and with forgiving and, and, and forgiving myself uh, and asking for forgiveness, which I think is hugely powerful. In the last uh, couple of weeks, I, I had a, a lot of dialogue with my ego, call it Yetzirara. I don't know, I definitely have it. Um, and we've been, having, <laughs> we've been having these honest conversations my, my ego and I and um, yeah we, we agree that it's an ongoing relationship that we're uh, going on together <laughs> and and I made some promises to myself on how to you know another take another baby step on how to on how to tame my, my, my you know my ego and things that I not helping me or not helping anyone um, but I'm not I'm not scared or sad about it. I'm actually happy that I, I, know, I, I know what I want to work on. 
Some of it has to do with myself internally. Some of, some of it has to do with a couple of relationships in my life. Um, what does that, what does that exercise look like for you? Is that you literally like writing a letter to yourself or speaking it out loud or what does, I mean, just curious to know how you process, you know, talking to your ego and working through the, you know, perhaps the defects of character that you want to work, look at. So I, I do think I have this um, gift of, of really trying to understand uh, and, and being honest with myself. Uh, I'm also gifted with a husband that gives me feedback. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and with a very open family dynamics, right? We we um, we're very honest with each other in a very and I hope I think in a respectful way. So uh, one of the things that we do, and I write about it in the book, one of the things that we do on a Friday night when we welcome Shabbat is we do um, a compliments game, uh, which is that we actually pay compliments to each other. Um, and, and by the way, it took us a very long time, uh, especially the children, to, to develop this muscle of saying something nice to sibling and finding the thing and then saying it and then not feeling, you know, uncomfortable with saying something nice. Yeah. And by the way, enjoying hearing something nice uh, about That's yourself. That's a big one, a big one to, to accept it, to accept it and not have to like, you know, throw something back or just like, or to defend it or to make excuse for it. Yeah, that's a big one. Internalize too. it. But I really think mm -hmm. that as a human beings, if we were, often we see so much beauty in other people and we think good thoughts about other people, but for some reason we don't say it. Um, so I really, with my husband and I encourage ourselves and our children to say good things, uh, you know, not just think them and, and look for them. But in the same spirit of sharing compliments, I do sometimes ask the children um, and my husband, how can I improve? Uh, how can I be a better mother uh, and, a, and a better uh, better wife uh, to them? And, and bless them, they give me answers. Uh, wow, that's, so you ask even your children feedback on how, feedback. how you're doing as a parent. Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't mean that I will act on it and it, and it and, and Mayor, it's it's built on a certain family dynamic that, you know, I, that they'll answer in a you know in a respectful, thoughtful way, but they will answer the truth. And mm -hmm. um, my my difficult feedback, let's say, throughout the years or recently, and it's not easy, has been uh, about them wanting, um, you know, questioning the time I spent at work or with them. Um, mm which is for any working mom That's hard to hear. and hurts. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, a big one. Wow. But, and so but, how did, so, mm -hmm. but they're thinking it anyway. You know, I, I really believe Mary, if someone's thinking something, if something's going in someone's system, it's happening. Now yeah. the question is, are you welcoming it to be voiced and communicated or not? Uh, because I grew up in an environment as a young child when there was a lot of silence, um, and, I, and I didn't enjoy that, I, 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 I advocate more for communication, uh, honest communication at home, uh, and, and generally speaking. So, um, so, yeah, so asking feedback and getting feedback about how I juggle as a, um, as a parent or uh, how they like to spend more time with me or that uh, I promise that I'll count until 10 before I respond to certain dynamics at home. And it seems like I'm counting to two and can <laughs> I please count to 10 uh, before yeah, I, uh, right. yeah, you know, stuff like that. Uh, but wow. it's helpful. 
it's helpful. It's honest. It's real. And it's, it's not living behind facades or, or like, or fantasies or games, but it's just like, this is real life, you know? And, and, uh, and it's, and it's so important. It's so important. If you really want to be committed to, to real relationship and growth and community and family, then, then what do we have other than the truth and the honesty that we can provide for each other? So um, that's really, that's a really cool um, environment and culture. If I dare say so myself that you've created for your family as well. So that's that's really amazing. What um, like what would you say? Like, do you do you, are you scared in some ways? Because there is like this culture, you know, I would say culture or, or like mindset that like parents shouldn't share so much with their children, or they know. Like, I grew up in a you know where I didn't know any doubts or fears of my parents. Everything was good all the time. They always asked us how we were doing and wanted to hear from us. Um, but here you are expressing yourself, you know, in a very vulnerable way on this podcast and your book. Um, are you worried or scared about how your, if your cho- children coming across this, hearing this, hearing your, your own personal stories and your own, you know, shadows, mm-hmm. how that would affect them in their own development? Yeah. So first of all, I want just even what we discussed before about that I ask my children for feedback. It doesn't mean that I'm their friend. So the, the roles and responsibilities going back to like being the leader of a house, uh, I often call my husband and I the CEO and the CFO of our family, right? And he's mm-hmm. definitely the CFO, uh, manages all the finance. Um, but, you know, as the leader of my family, I decided, we decided to bring certain principles, which part of them is honesty and respect, but I'm definitely not my children's friend. Uh, and the boundaries are very clear. And I'm a huge believer of boundaries. So this is where things become interesting, right? Raise your child by their, by their soul, by their journey, by their purpose. Um, be curious about who they are. Ask them how they're doing. And in my, our case, you know, ask them for feedback on how you're doing. And at the same time, set clear boundaries about family values, about what we believe in about the way that we live our family life. We made some changes in our home life as well. We became more um, observant. We welcomed mm-hmm. Shabbat to our family a few years, uh, I don't know, seven, five years ago. That meant that for some of my kids, it was a huge, huge change in life. Um, there wasn't, there was a lot of explaining and taking on a journey, but there was no uh, negotiation. Um, so I think this, this combination of having healthy, clear boundaries on who we are as a family, what we stand for, but then in, within that boundary, a lot of space for sharing and being yourself. I'm, I'm quite passionate about that combination. Mm-hmm. Um, and you asked me about how, you know, I've been vulnerable in this call and in the book, I share a, a lot of things about my mental health and about myself and how does that make me feel? I was very scared. And, you know, reminding the title of the book, what would you do if you weren't afraid? There was a moment when all of the manuscript, if everything was ready, and I had to press that button to the publisher and mm-hmm. to ship my story and to ship my very personal experiences that up until then lived in my head and in my relationship at home. Uh, it was scary. And the only reason I did that, and I continue to do that, is because I think that more people should and need to be open and normalize everything. I always say to my children, whatever thought goes through your mind, it's normal. It's normal. Even if it sounds scary or weird or am I losing? No, it's normal. There's another million people that are thinking something like that. 
but yeah. they're not talking about it. So, um, so that's part of my mission to normalize, you know, mental health and life challenges. Part of my mission is to share the beautiful wisdom, the Jewish wisdom. And if that means that I feel a little bit less comfortable and I sweat a bit more in, in interviews yeah. and podcasts, then that's a price I'm happy to pay. Mm. Yeah, I think that's that's beautiful. And I think it shows your, your kids as well. Like, yeah, it's having the boundaries, but you're human. And I think you, I would say I that you're more approachable and they'll be more likely to share with you what they're going through. And they won't be afraid like, oh, mom can't understand and she won't get it um because everything is okay with her but like it's it, i think it really helps with that i think it's a beautiful thing that that you're and a gift that you've really given to your to your children to to do that so that's the kudos kudos to you um as as i want to like tie this uh tie this uh conversation there's so much more to talk about um but i one thing i did really enjoy was uh this thought of ayeka um which was um, you know, there, and you could perhaps go into a little bit more, but this idea of Ayeka, where uh, in the, one of the first stories in the Bible, in the Torah, Adam uh, eats from the from the tree of knowledge, and uh, God says, "Where are you?" So um, I, you know, of course, the the Ayeka, where are you? And it goes into the story of like, you know, God, how could he doesn't know where where Adam is. I mean, he's, he's God, he knows where every, you know, also not that many people on the earth. So he's not too many hiding places as well. So um, how would you go about that discovery of, of what Ayeka means and, and the lessons that you took away from that? I love Ayeka too. And um, I love uh, a song called Ayeka by Shuli Rand, uh, who is a Israeli artist. He sings it uh, in Hebrew, um, and it just goes every every Friday afternoon as Shabbat is kind of I'm about to welcome Shabbat. I, I try to listen to um, to the song, and the, it says Ayeka, like Efata, where are you, Hashem? I'm going through miserable thoughts and life internally. I, I'm looking for you everywhere, and like actually, he's asking Hashem Ayeka, um, and I think it's 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 beautiful. But obviously, in the Torah, Hashem asks uh, uh, God asks. Uh, Adam Ayeka and um, it's such a simple one word line but so so powerful um, and especially for someone who like you know Hebrew is my 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 mother tongue and that word of you know Ayeka Efo Efo Efata like you know where, where are and I find it something well there's so much so many messages in this and I'm not I know we weren't going into this but I think the way I read it is that Adam and Eve, like they were given everything, you know, life, fruit, beautiful trees, la la la, no shame, no guilt, perfect. And then they made a mistake, right? They, 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 they chose wrong. They, um, and then they hid or Adam hid. And, 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 the, and the question, the first, the first question that is, that is asked in, in the Torah, if I'm not mistaken, is like, where are you? Uh, and obviously not where are you, I can see you behind the bushes, but like, where are you, where are you existentially, right? Where, where, what, what, what's going on with you? Like, where, where are you taking your life? What, what, you know, on what, on what journey are you going? Um, and the way that I read it is actually with not, you know, huge amount of, you know, blame or guilt or, or, or negativity, but, but, a, but a call out, a reminder. Um, and I love Ayeka. And I ask myself sometimes, you know, where am I? 
Um, and again, I'll, I can think about where am I when I'm cleaning, when I'm washing the dishes, right? So I just want to also normalize Mare. I don't do, and I love and appreciate the fact that people do, but I don't meditate on a somewhere and I take this wisdom and I go somewhere and I leave the kids for a weekend. Like I'd love to when I get a chance to, but they're too young. But like, I try to bring this wisdom to the tachlis, to the meaning everyday life. So every scenario that I have at work or with my children or with my husband is an opportunity to say to myself, where am I? Like, am I being the way I want to be? Am I behaving in the way that I want to behave? Am I looking after myself? Am I fulfilling my dreams or someone else's dream? Am I a pleaser? Can I stop being a pleaser maybe one day? So this Ayeka is just such a beautiful message for us to ask each other, sorry, to ask ourselves, where are we? And if we're not where we want to be or should be, course correct. And the course correction, it doesn't mean that you completely change your life. You leave your job. You leave this. You, like it can be sometimes that really like that that small little tweak, small tweak with the nuance. With the if you bring the ishtadlut, the kavana, the meaning, the essence that th those small changes. And as you know, Mayor, because you kindly read my book, every chapter in the book, because it's a self help book, every chapter ends with a coaching session. Um, yes. And it's called, if you change nothing, nothing will change, which I think was originally said by, by Albert Einstein. And of course, if you change nothing, nothing will change. So what are you going to change? What a beautiful way to, to wrap up this podcast. And I'm, I'm very happy to say that you, you did put that in her. Yeah, those exercise questions that you challenged the reader to look at after every chapter so that's really really special but um yeah what what are you what are we willing to change what would we do if we weren't afraid these are fantastic questions to ask ourselves and i know that uh it challenged me it brought me a lot of uh new insight uh by reading your book and just having this conversation and uh, michael thank you so much for showing up in the world that you the way that you are it's, you know, you're a light uh it's courageous and I want to continue with, to wish you lots of success in your continued journey. Thank you. And Mayor, just back at you. And please edit it with care. I was 100% uh, honest and open and like all, all in. Uh, I, I trust you. And if I didn't trust you, I, would, I wouldn't be so open with you. So, you know, actually, I think it's, it's, it's because you are so honest and authentic and you that I think it just <laughs> allows your people that you're in conversation with to be to kind of go that extra mile that they were never thinking of going which is fantastic so uh I'm, <laughs> I'm really glad we had this conversation and uh, and thank you for doing what you do for the world and for communities Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast and thank you Michal for sharing your story journey and wisdom with me and with all of us today. And friends, thank you for supporting this podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, comment, and share it with family and friends if you found this podcast episode and others uh, valuable and meaningful to you. So until next time, like I always say, stay positive, be happy. I'm Mayor Kay and have a great day.